What's good, y'all? Welcome to another episode of Dynasty Queen. I'm your host, Kim Nicole, and I've got the beautiful Me and Jay, baby. What's up? Mm. Baby, baby. Before we get started with today's wonderful guest, I do want to give a, sh- a really quick shout out to our sponsor, Social Media Blast Talk. Whether you're an artist, entrepreneur, model, whatever, you name it, if you need a little help just boosting up your socials, just making it to its fullest potential, go ahead and take a look at socialmediablastoff.net. Right now, if you go ahead and scan this QR code right here, you'll get 40% off. So go ahead and get your stuff started today. Guys, I want to introduce y'all to the revolutionary, vivacious, amazing Reverend Felicia Perrin Vader in the building. Woo! Hey. <laughs> Hello. Hello. So good to be here. So I'm so glad you're here with us. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Of course. So before we begin, Felicia, if you could just give our viewers just a little bit about yourself, just tell us you know, where you're from and you know what it is that you do. Yes. Okay. Well, so I was born in LA and uh, which is where I am right now. I've lived in the Bay area and kind of all around, but, um, and I, let's see in 2012, I became an ordained interfaith minister. And so that was kind of to the surprise of my family and friends, because there's no pastors in my family at all. We're all artist types, all musician types. So, and I've been uh, very much involved in a lot of social justice work over the last 20 years of my life. So everything ranging from going over to actually Israel, Palestine, um, to immigration rights, to racial equity and racial justice. So my whole life is about creating as much change as possible because God knows we need it uh, now more than ever. We're living in a really interesting time on this planet. Yeah. So, so that's a little bit, a little bit about me. For sure. Okay. So Felicia, question for you. So coming from Los Angeles, um, how did you, since there's no ordained ministers in the family, how did you get on your journey um, to ministry? Well, it's a great question. (laughs) It's a great question. So, I, I was originally a classical pianist, I should say that. And that was what I was pointed towards and actually anything involving music. Um, and my father, um, I don't know if you all remember the rock band Chicago. Do you remember the rock band Chicago? So my dad started that band. So I grew up in the music business and everything entertainment. And and so it kind of was a natural path for me to go into music um, to be honest, uh, you know, a lot of stuff happened that was really, really challenging. And I found myself involved in drugs and <laughs> you got to laugh about it. You got to make jokes at this point, you know, but <laughs> cause I, I really touched the veil. I don't know how many times, like, it's amazing that I'm alive truly. So <clears throat> by 24, 25 years old, I was just like, I mean, it was, it was severe. It was severe. I was barely alive. And fortunately I had a a spiritual experience as it's often called like a spiritual awakening, a spiritual moment. And that's when I, for me, it, it mattered. I needed to get sober. 
And that was, like I said, that was just one thing. I was just very, I'm an equal opportunity self-destructor, or I was. <laughs> like, it was like, you name it, I'll do it. So, but once I got my act together, that same like intensity um, that I had for self-destruction, I was able to turn it. I was able to turn it around and be pointing that towards like positive change and, you know, healing and um, everything, everything that's good about this life. So I would say it was only about two years in when I got my call to ministry. And that's a whole nother story. And I don't know if we have time for it now, but um, my call to ministry came at Carl's Jr. You know, Carl's Jr. This oh, oh, yes. yes. Do tell. Do tell story. What, what was that? Do tell. Do share. Do tell. Okay. Because, you know, I this is so Felicia, too. Like, most people, you know, you hear about pastors and they're, they, you know, they have some moment, like maybe they're on a retreat somewhere or I don't know. But then, you know, for me, it's like, I'm at Carl's Jr. and I'm at the drive-through and I'm getting jalapeno poppers and bam. And, and I mean, there's, it is more in spiritual than that. And, and that there was someone that was homeless. And when I pulled up and this was on my 28th birthday, by the way, uh, and I was turning 28 at the time uh, on August 28th, pardon me. And so I pulled up to this drive-through in Sun Valley, California. And this guy just asked, you know, do you want to get high? And I'm thinking, how? Like, why? Why is this dude asking me this? And I just told him, I said, no, man, I'm, I'm actually, I'm clean, I'm, I'm sober. And then it got really real. He just started telling me, he's like, you know, I have a family. I haven't seen my family in ten years. And he starts crying. Next thing, I'm, I'm not crying, but I'm, I'm like feeling it. I mean, it was very intense. And meanwhile, my food didn't come. I mean, it was, it was a moment that was supposed to happen. And um, like I said, when I pulled away from there, after I had this exchange with this man, I told him like, don't give up, whatever it is you do, just try, don't give up, dude, don't give up. And, and then when I pulled away is when I went, you know, Felice, you had a lot of shit go down in your life. Like, it's amazing you're alive and you need to give back you need to do something with your life that is not about you. That is about creating change in this world. And really as you know, I don't want to say helping because helping people can sound, I think really condescending. So more about like serving, serving folks. And that was it. That was it. I mean, that was, I'm 49 now. And so that was, you know, 21 years ago or something. So I've been, I've been on it ever since. That's it. That's like, just so randomly in the drive through you didn't walk into a church house or anything like that. It came to you. So I, I understand your perspective of, of being called because really that was the situation. That's really, yeah. I, I love yeah, that's so cool. So, so cool. Yes. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, and it's, it's a, such a such a great story too, Felicia. Just because, like, we had talked to someone earlier, and it's like you can God will come to you anywhere. It doesn't matter. No. I mean, you can be on a toilet for all you know, you know, and He can come <laughs> and talk to you and tell you what it is, you know. So, 
just it, keeping that transparency is just, and the story is just fantastic too. It's, like, <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. Cause like, and this is what I love doing is like reframing, you know, what does a minister look like? You know, reframing, you know, even how, how we're supposed to minister. What is ministry? Ministry to me is, is connecting with people. It's this right here. Like this is church right now, period. Like it doesn't have to be not, not to say there's anything wrong with like going to church on Sunday. I'm not saying that I'm just saying what I've enjoyed doing is turning everything on its side. That's one of the things I'm really good at is like agitating people into thinking in different ways and going, Oh, I mean, for, for example, like women aren't allowed to be ordained oftentimes. Right. I mean, it depends on what religion you're part of, but there's, there is still a thing where as a female, you know, we're, we're not as empowered in, in this life, in this world. So the seminary I went to was incredible in that um, there were a lot of women from different backgrounds and also you know, different sexual orientations that were shunned by the church. And they, we all had a place, you know, uh, regardless of our identities. And so as a female, I have noticed that just being a female and being a pastor and looking like I do with tats and all of this, you know, it's, um, it rocks people a little bit, but why not? You know, why not? Because the work is true. Like my heart is in this work. You know, my love for God, spirit source is always at the center of everything I do. So, yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I know, you know, I, I follow your ministry and everything on Facebook and you always have great, you know, just intuitive things to say. You crack me up. Like you're just, you know, you're just well-rounded individual. I love it. Tell us a little bit about um, your ministry, Revolution of Love. Okay. Well, let's see. So it's the acronym is ROLE, Revolution of Love, ROLE, and it's a ministry and a movement. Um, when I first started, I called it an interfaith ministry because I'm an ordained interfaith minister. So the main thing that I want people to know is like, you know, if you're Jewish, if you're Buddhist, if you're Hindu, if you're Christian, whatever, then you have a place. But what I started seeing very early on when I started it in 2012 in, in uh, up in the Bay Area was that I had like agnostics coming. I had like an ex-Mormon like coming to service. I had pagans coming. I had witches coming. You know, I, and so I realized, wait, wait a minute, this is a multi-path ministry. So like, look, everybody has a path. It may not include believing in like God. It may be nature, you know, there, yeah, there's someone that like for them, their higher power is, uh, a tree or something like this. So I just realized that it was really important to change the wording and create, you know, a multi-path ministry, which truly would be including everybody. And then the other thing that sets role apart is the social justice component. So, and it's also the thing that has, um, I, I would say, turned people off. Because, you know, when people go to church, they don't feel good. <laughs> they don't want to hear about the problems and the violence and the injustice in the world, oftentimes. And one thing at Roll is there is a charge like, look, 
there's a lot going on on this planet right now. Like we're here to be of service. And I know I keep saying the same thing, but that, that is really, that was like the call out, like to, to, or the charge, the charge out um, is to have folks inspired to do something instead of just sitting around and going, Oh my God, like, you know, oh, this is just a, this is terrible. My life is terrible. The the world is terrible. It's like, well then fucking do something, (laughs) fucking do something that, so that was the ways that like role can, we've been involved in various things over the years and, um, you know, collaborating with different organizations and and different causes and stuff. So it's a, it's a two-sided thing at role. It's like, do the work on yourself, you know, get, get your healing on, and then get healing, like do something like don't just sit and, and be a bump on the log, but actually get out there and, and do whatever it is you feel called to do. So, yeah, I love it. That's like a pay it forward type of situation. Um, mm-hmm. But that's the best way because, you know, I also feel that whatever positive energy that you put out there into the universe, it can do nothing but reciprocate if it came from a genuine place, like you said. So. They need to go out there and if someone was able to help them, I'm sure we all have a calling. So what is it like if you have people that are coming to see you talk or whatever, because you're coming, you have these pagans and agnostics and all these people come and listen to you. So for someone who's trying to find their inner faith, what are a few um, pointers you would give them when it comes to finding their spiritual guide? Well, see, this is again where I'm a different pastor. Um, I and you know this this sounds like maybe I'm not answering the question directly, but it 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 is. I was a chaplain in the hospital setting for the first few years of my ministry, and I worked in death and dying, and I worked uh, in oncology, and and uh, and I remember. As a new pastor, the thing you do not want someone to ask you is why is this happening to me? When, when say they've gotten the diagnosis that they've got six months to live. And I, here I am, you know, imagine this, like I'm brand new and I get this page to get over to the hospital and the patient is, has, uh, I believe it was pancreatic cancer. And, um, and I remember going in and I was really scared. I'm thinking, oh, shit, <laughs> you know, what, you know, what am I going to say to this man that's going to like make a difference? Like, and of course, what does he ask? Why is this happening? And I'm going to, oh no, but I just, I had to keep it real <clears throat> because I don't, and Pam, you know this about me. It's like, <clears throat> pardon me. I, I'm not going to pretend to know something if I don't. And I think like clergy and pastors and, and people in, and typically that do what I do, we're supposed to have all the answers. And I know that that makes people feel safe. However, I'm not sure at this point in time in 2023, with I, I find that very arrogant. And so I just kept it real with the guy and I said, I'm not sure why this is happening to you, but let's, let's journey together. And all I can say is I'll be here with you for it. We can do this together and figure it out. 
And that's the attitude that I've taken when people come to role into services, especially if they're in like the crisis of faith is like, you know, what is God to you? Like I've, I created something called the God project and, you know, it's just perfect for people that like, they don't know what they believe in. Like, you know, if they were raised in the church, maybe the church hurt them because they're gay or because they're this, they're transgender or I don't know, but I've had folks come in that have been wounded very badly by religion or the church, whatever, whatever faith I should say. And I've posed that question like, well, what is God to you? What do you need God to be? What does that look like? And we've had like collages, people making like a collage and like, you know, drawing, painting it out and all this stuff or, or writing it or writing a letter to whatever they believe in. I mean, I know this sounds heretical. I know like this is totally heretical for, in a certain sense, but I think that it's important to think differently even about, you know, how we were raised to believe and, and to create what it is that, that you need, you know, God is love. Okay. Then what does that mean? What does that mean to you? And like, what does that look like? You know, do you see it? Or do, is it an energy? Is it so? You know. I love your take on it because like, like you're saying, I grew up Catholic. So we, you know, it was just a sin if you didn't go to church every Sunday. You know, you had to pray, you had to do your rosary, you had to do everything. And I would definitely consider myself like a religious black sheep. I'm more spiritual than I am religious. And I've all, I've come to be okay with, I can pray anywhere and I can worship God anywhere. I don't have to be necessarily in the house of God to worship my Lord. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And you just saying that it just, it just takes a different, it just makes my wheels turn. Cause it's like, well, wow, there's nothing wrong with me. It's just, I was raised a certain way, but the way that I think and the way that I believe and pray, there's nothing wrong with, it's perfectly fine. And we need more of that in this world, honestly, Felicia. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I, so too. I really agree with that because, you know, myself, I grew up in a Catholic, my mother was Catholic and my dad kind of converted or started looking at like Islam and stuff like that. So I kind of was open as a kid to like different um, religious, different aspects of like the Bible, the Quran and stuff. But this is like definitely a new concept for me because you really are meeting people where they are, you know, and it feels inviting to them. And I think it, it'll allow them to open up their heart and mind to receive God in whichever way they can. So that's really, that's absolutely beautiful um, what you're doing. I'd love that you said that too, because that's in the vision statement we meet people where they're at. That's actually in the vision statement, what you just said. So, and it's, and I mean, <laughs> that, that's, that's so wild that you just, yeah, because that is so important to me. And that is the difference between like most churches or yeah, temples, mosques, because, and, and, you know, rightly so, like if someone's saying, Hey, this is what we're about. This is the religion. This is like, how we believe. Okay, great. But some role we're saying, what is it that you believe? You bring it to us. We'll like meet you. It's like a dance. And this might be because I'm a musician and you know, that's my background. There's like a rhythm and a flow to like, to roll. 
like not just the services, but like everything, like how we connect with each other. And like I said, this is all about connection. I mean, if we, if we were to connect more in a healthier way as people, I mean, this world would be a very different place. Like if we had much more like sacred and holy connections, shit, the stuff, what we're seeing in the Middle East right now. I mean, it would be, a, it, it, and I know I sound like I'm simplifying it because, and obviously there's politics involved, but at the same time, this is about our humanity. That's where I come from. This is about humanity. And when we're not connecting, then we're lost. And this is why people hurt themselves. Um, you know, and I'm just all about like, let's, we got to connect as much as possible here. I mean, look, Pam and I, that's what happened. <laughs> you know, I met you and then the next thing we're like connecting and now here I am with, with all of us here. So like, it's, it's just so imperative that we do that and meet people where they're at and just, and not have these like hierarchical bullshit structures of like, okay, you're down here and I'm up here, you know, I'm the preacher. It's like, no, like, that's no, that's not what we're going to do. We're going to like flatten this out and create spaces that are um, brave and bold and fun. So, yeah. And a lot of religious leaders, they miss the mark. Like, I feel like they miss it completely. They're so wrapped up in what everyone in their congregation is going to think if they, you know, take a political or social activism stance on whatever the topic is. I feel like a lot of them are not really, or they'll pick like a safe one to, you know, like save the planet. I guess when you talk about the ocean, which is, of course we need to preserve the earth, but it's safer than talking about human civil rights and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, there's people that have walked out. There's people that have left role because of, you know, to me, there's hard lines. There's hard lines when we're talking about racial equity and racial justice. This is not to be debated. When we're talking about immigration, immigration rights, we got kids at the border uh, dying. This is not to be debated. Um, you know, there's there's hard lines, and those are just a couple things. But yeah, we've lost people as a result, and you know what? That's okay. Uh, Reverend Seku from Black Lives Matter. Uh, in Ferguson, he's a, a colleague and a friend. And I remember when I was first starting out, I said, man, I, I don't, I want like, you know, a hundred people coming to service. And, and he, he, he said something very poignant. And that was, it's about the quality. It's about the quality. Like are people, are you serving the people and what's on people's hearts and minds? You know, are people engaging? Are they healing? Are they connecting? So we may have only had like over the years, like say 25 on Zoom during the pandemic, we had a ton of people. And then it starts to, you know, fade out a little bit where it was like a back to 25. I don't know what 25, the number 25 is, but, but you know, you can get caught up in, in all these numbers and things. And it's like, no, it's not about that. You know, it's, it's about, um, again, you know, what's on the hearts and minds of the people and, and uh, even if it means like, yeah, you take a stand um, on the right side of justice, on the right side of history, and people don't get it yet. It's, 
it's been very important for me to to not get angry about those kinds of things though and to just continue teaching and and um yeah hopefully you know raising as much awareness so yeah mm-hmm. and it's just you're so passionate about just like civil rights human rights all you know everything just to hear all the kind of events that are happening on the other side of the world it's infuriating mm-hmm. and Honestly, like, I'm glad that we're having this discussion, too. It's just I have this sense of helplessness that just me, myself, I feel like, what can we do, you know, for these people? And it's just, it's sad. It's stressful. You know, even though you're not in that situation, it's still a very hostile and stressful situation, you know? What was that, Pam, that last word that you just said? Oh, I said it was just, it's just a hostile and stressful situation, for us just watching what's going on on the other side of the world, you know? Yeah. It's like, what can we do? Yeah. I mean, I think that's important to, to name it and say that, you know, what you're both saying, because uh, I, I think we're, we're getting too, we're going too quickly through like, there's, there's a massive tragedy happening right now. Right. I mean, from the attack that started, is it, and is it okay to go there and talk ab- about this? Or yeah. what do you think? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I mean, because I was over in Israel, Palestine, back in two thousand nine, I think it was, and and I went because I I wanted to see for myself, you know, what the hell is going on here, and so we worked the delegation that I was on. We tried to get into Gaza. We brought supplies. We didn't get anything in. Nothing. Wow. No shampoo, flour, nothing. They didn't let us in. They didn't let anything in. So it's important to like contextualize what has been happening to to Gaza, to Gazans, to Palestinians for like 75 years, say. And to understand the level of degradation and oppression to be in uh, an apartheid situation. And then, of course, this terrible attack that is horrible, like Israeli civilians dying, babies, Israeli babies, Israeli people, people dying, being killed. Um, Terrible. And I took heat last week from, from everybody because I was saying, like, we just need to slow this down and, and respect that like people are dying and it's tricky. It's a tricky thing when you say that, cause it can be taken in, in other ways. Um, kind of like the all lives matter saying, right. So it, it's, and again, to just contextualize it and to recognize like, you know, why did this attack happen? It's, um, it's horrible and denounce it completely, but or and not but but like and why did this happen? What kind of desperation does it take for people to fight back like this? So and also recognizing that how much do we know really? Right? Let's face it, like the media. Come on, like so much shit that I, we probably do not know that is happening right now that was going on and that's why like when I went over there what I saw was 
it, it was scary. I mean, to see the like young Israeli kids packing like eight K forty sevens, like it's normal because that's just part of it. That's just part. You're walking through Tel Aviv. There's the the Mediterranean Sea, and you're there's it's a militarized thing. I mean, that's a wild thing to like be walking around in, and then to meet with Palestinian women, to meet with these women that have had their homes bulldozed six times. And then when, and I have photos of this actually, which I was going to post a little bit on social media, but I just, I've been hedging it because there's so much trauma going on right now. I want to be respectful, like the level of trauma that people are having or experiencing. So the, these these women, I'll never forget when we asked, like, how do you get through? I think I asked them that. We had a translator and to this Palestinian mother. And we said, how do you get through this? Like, your home being bulldozed. And, and like we're sitting there, like, in this shack. And she, um, this gets me. She looked up and she, she went, Allah. And that was it. And I just was like, that's some badass shit. Like, that is some brave stuff to be getting through that. So that's just what I know. That's in the sense of like what I saw. Um, and, you know, this has been going on, this ethnic cleansing of the Palestinian people have been, has been going on. And the loss of life, was, this is just terrible. It's atrocious. And I think the answers, I don't really know. I, I, I mean... I think it's important to really, and this is a big part of uh, like collective liberation work and, and anti-oppression work. And I don't know if you all know, do you know Adrienne Marie Brown by chance? Uh-huh. Yeah. Like I love her. I love her. Like everything in abolition circles is all about like feeling and like getting like reconnected, like decolonizing our minds and our bodies. And I just love that because I think, especially right now, I think just feeling this, which you both said, like how terrible this is, instead of like getting performative and like, uh, I stand with this, I stand with that, I stand with, you know, it's just like, whoa, what the fuck? Like people are fucking dying. Like, exactly. you know? I probably imagine as well because you know, we're seeing clips from both news networks and also, you know, some of the freelance um, journalists that are sharing on their own social media platforms. But since you were able to meet these women in person and these children, and you're actually seeing kids, like you said, walk around with AK-47s, just putting myself in that, it seems unreal. It seems like some type of video game that I have never experienced. So, when we say here, you know, in the, the United States or other countries that are, of course, not perfect, but, man, we're not going through that. So I think that alone is a reason for a lot of us to just have gratitude when we wake up, you know, that, wow, that is like, it's, it's really bad. It's really, really bad. And I also like your choice of words, like decolonization, stuff like that, because I feel like, okay, someone is finally speaking real truth, like, this is what's going on. It is a cleansing, you know, very comparable to, you know, the Hitler, Hitler days. So mm-hmm. it's crazy. It's really crazy what's going on in the world right now. It is. And it's so sensitive because, um, because, you know, when, when you have people that were targeted 
in the way of the Holocaust or what is also known as the Shoah, um, that cellular trauma and, and the core of that, that's real. You know, and I don't have a stake in this. Like, to be clear, I said this to a colleague of mine because we kind of went at it. And I said, I'm not Jewish. I'm not Israeli. I'm not Palestinian. I'm not Muslim. Like, I'm coming into this just as a human being. And I can't imagine having that, like, DNA, like, that kind of trauma. Like, and we know that's real. Like, there's, even if one... Uh, did not have Holocaust uh, or family members in the Holocaust, but that having that that tie, that connection, uh, that cellular level is 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 freaking real. And and you know, so I, I you know, it, it could sound anti-Semitic. Some of the things that I just said, and it's it's absolutely not where I'm coming from at all. Um, I mean, I started actually at the ADL, the Anti-Defamation League here in LA, which is one of the oldest human rights organizations that is fighting anti-Semitism. So I ran the gamut with all this, is my point. And yeah, I support a free Palestine, and, and I also, I, my heart is totally breaking, as all our hearts should be breaking, regarding kids and uh, uh, Israelis and, and Palestinians. I mean, these people... nobody's winning here, you know, winning here. And and with that, this is an ethnic cleansing as we're talking, as we're recording right now, this is what's going on. So, you know, how to find the joy in all of this, right? Like how do we, how do we find joy in a a world where injustices are often eschewed, you know, just like, Oh, you know, I mean, because we do have to keep going, right. We have to, We got to keep living. Like, so, so that's why Pam, you've seen me on the poll. <laughs> I'm a pastor that does that polls. I'm a, I'm a little, I'm a little baby pole dancer. Cause I'm, new. <laughs> she's got some moves. <laughs> Multi-talented. Okay. Spreading the word. Whole work, all of it. Okay, that's an art in itself. So elaborate on that. So how did you get into pole? Because that's a really great form of fitness as well. Like it. Oh my gosh, you should, I'm I am like jacked. Like my arms. Like I'm not gonna have a neck soon. Like my traps are like I'm gonna be like walking. But no, but seriously, like I, you know, I'm really I have to. In, as long as I've been in, involved in all this in this work that we've just been talking about, like I've had to find places of joy, and and this is any of us. Like life is freaking hard. Like <laughs> life is hard, and um, I got you know recently in the last well in the last few years, my dad was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and um, it's been very very hard and sad to see this very, you know, my dad being on stages and, you know, being a, a famous person and, and me having him up here for sure to see this sadness, you know, to see this shifting and this changing, which is going to happen, you know, to all of us, of course, in some way. But I got to a point where I just went, I always wanted to take a dance class always for like, since I was little, but I was, I was always a musician, but there was no time to dance. That was 
I always said, if I would have studied music, I would have studied dance. And so <laughs> here I am, May 2nd, 48 years old, going into a pole studio and like, I got to be out of my fucking mind. Like, I'm like, I'm doing inverts. I'm like, I'm like, what am I doing? But it's been so life-giving. I, I absolutely love it. I'm like, yeah, there's going to be a pole in this apartment soon enough. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. all there is to it. Like, because it's, it feels like, I don't know. It just, it's. I can't believe I waited this long to do because, you know, movement is so powerful. My gosh, like dance is so, it just connects in ways that surpasses the mind. Right. 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 <laughs> and it is good fitness. Like you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. you've got a combo deal because, you know, you're a musician, you feel the rhythm. You're dancing, you're feeling the rhythm that way too. So it's like a it's a physical and a mental thing too. Mm-hmm. It is. I mean, it's you know some of those videos early on. It's I'm still I'm still learning. Like underlined, bold face, italicized. I'm still learning. So like some of it's kind of hilarious, but I don't care. Like I'm not being graded. You know, like right. exactly. You learn on your own terms. So. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm sure it's caused a little concern amongst some of my colleagues like the red having, is she having a breakdown like because i got some calls like pastor are you are you okay over there it's like yeah i'm okay like I know your, dad, your dad's sick are you you know everything okay because you're on the cold like snake so, so yeah i mean is it a breakdown is it a breakthrough it's fun like it's i'm having a blast and i i can't remember the last time i actually had this much fun doing something like preaching is a blast because you're channeling. If you're in that flow, you're just channeling, you know, playing music, same thing. You're channeling. And this is a different thing because you get to use your body. So it's, it's all good. I love it. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes. Yes. I was also going to ask. Um, so you also dabble with like the tarot cards and mysticism and stuff like that. So, Give us a little bit of insight on, like, I don't know, it's palm reading or everything that it entails. Sorry if I said the wrong thing. I don't know what all it involves. So can you share with us? Yeah. Yeah, well, um, so on my father's side, we're actually Roma. We're part gypsy. So, um, so there's that. And I remember growing up and my ancestors would read playing cards. So not even like just tarot cards, but just playing cards. And then, you know, like uh, tea leaves, you know, when people read tea leaves and, or, or coffee grinds or, or what have you. So I remember all of that kind of stuff going on. And when I was 11, I had an aunt. Actually, this was on my mother's side, but my aunt had a deck of cards, of tarot cards. And um, she gifted me with these cards, which I still have this deck. So this deck must be like, 50 some years old. Um, and then she gave me a little crystal ball and my mom was kind of like, okay, this is getting really <laughs> weird. But so this, this is mysticism has always been with me. But when I started having all those struggles that I referenced earlier, I really fell away from anything, even like 
whether it was mysticism or spirituality or religion, I was like, screw all this. Like there ain't nothing here. (laughs) So I walked from it. And then I found this teacher really when I went to seminary school, that was a mystic and she thought right away. And then there was Sabonfu, rest in, in peace, Sabonfu Some. She came to the seminary to teach and she saw this too. So I had all of these women, these like powerhouse women spiritual leaders from whatever background or faith, like saying, like, kind of like, come back, come back to it. So, ah, shit, I don't want to like, uh, astrology, this, that, I don't want to get involved in any of that anymore. So, but it, it just kind of started happening. And, and then like, you, you all know about like Claire's, right? Like sentience or Claire. Yeah. So, so that was always there. But again, I, I think this happens to a lot of us. Yeah. Because I think we all have these gifts. I think we all have different like psychic or intuitive abilities. And, but often, you know, we shut them down sometimes trauma, you know, we we're feeling too much and we're like, okay, we shut it down or it's society like, Oh, that doesn't exist. So with these different teachers, um, things just started happening. And, and, you know, I can be woo woo, but I'm also very like real. Like I'm like, if I don't see it, it doesn't happen. And there was stuff that would just go down. That was like, you could not make sense of it. Like there were things that were happening in like, classes that were just out there. But, but anyway, so that's how I got back into reading cards and just really believing in any of this stuff that I always like to say is beyond thoughts and words. Having been in university, like your mind just like shuts this shit down. Like, Oh, you know what I mean? It's like society. It just, our society. The science science of it all versus, you know, the what it, the possibilities of the universe. So I feel like we kind of mesh though. Of course, science and science, but there's definitely a spiritual realm. Like there's definitely, and I, I think deja, deja vu a lot. And I'm like, wait a minute, this already happened. So yeah. like, I'm really trying to like hone into that little voice and be like, okay. Yeah. I'm a little more into my little, you know, my, my group of, you know, not telling the future, but kind of like just dealing with stuff that's going to happen. So, yeah. yeah. It's I, real. <laughs> I love that. I mean, yeah. I mean, do you, do you, either one of you, do you notice that you have like certain, what would it be? Like, do you feel things more intuitively or do you like have a sense of knowing or? Uh, for me, uh, it's you. It's the deja vu, like she said. I have, and I can I can recall nights where I've had the deja vu, and it'll happen four, five years later. I can't see a clear picture of the person's face. I can see the body structure. I can see the skin color. I can see everything but the person's face. And then I know what's going to happen. And up to the time that it does happen, I'm like, oh my God, I've done this before. Oh, wow. And it actually happens and I see exactly who it is. Wow. So it's almost like deja vu is like a mystery. Like I don't get to see who it is until it happens. Wow. I mean that I get the deja vu's and then I also will sometimes be like, you know what? Something is gonna happen. 
out of the normal. Or if I like go into like a shopping center or a mall and I'd be like, something's telling me I'm going to see somebody I know. And then I don't know, I get stuff like that. Like kind of it's a little, a little intuitive about stuff that's about to happen. That's interesting. That's really interesting. I mean, I love, I love this stuff. And as, as women, um, there's a great book. I don't know if you've read it. Um, women who run with the wolves by Clarissa Pinkola Estes. Oh my God. It's like the first chapter when I read this, I was just like, Oh my God, this is so good. Because she, she talks about how as women, we have this internal knowing, you know, we get these messages or signs and what we've often done uh, as a result of patriarchy or, you know, different cultural societal shit is we've turned it off. You know, I mean, I think about this with relationships, shit. I wish I would have like, there's so many times I knew in a relationship, like 10 days in, like, oh, this isn't good. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, uh, and then I'm like, oh, but no, (laughs) he's fine. (laughs) I just know I can fix it. (laughs) And it's like, no, I freaking knew like 10 days in and, that's that clear cognizance that I had when I was a little girl. And so to like come back to that now and have other women teachers, like I just mentioned, from Sabone Fusome to Megan Wagner to Jane DeQueer, who's a Cherokee woman, working with these women that have just like held it down and were like, no, like, like this is real. This is true. Like you have these gifts. I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty heavy duty. It's pretty emotional to like come home. And I think as women, this is an important thing for all of us. is isn't just about me. This is like, I really believe we, we have these gifts that often we don't even fully utilize or recognize. And um, yeah. So there's that. (laughs) (laughs) So much info, so much good information that I'm retaining. I'm just like, I just think you have a completely different outlook and perspective than a lot of people do. So it's really cool. And, you know, I don't know. Do you know what it's called? Like I said, I have a little uh, kind of knowing what's going to happen before it happens. What is that called? Probably premonitions? Is it a premonition? Yeah. Okay. I think, yeah, that is a premonition. Yeah. yeah. And my sense is you probably have like, uh, it, from what you just described, it sounds like you have some clairvoyance or you, or you are clairvoyant. You know, so one of the things that I get to do with folks and um, I started adding this because I was quiet about it, you know, because, again, you know, you're a pastor. You can't say this witchy shit because, you know, again, it's like she's on a pole and now she's freaking talking about psychic shit. Like, oh, my God. You know, it's just like there's so much going on. There's the pink hair. There's I don't know. So, but but um, but one of the things I've gotten to do with folks is work with them one to one to develop their, however their clairs work or their psychic gifts that they have. Um, and I've, I've worked with various people on this and it's so exciting to see their gifts come online more. And cause everybody's, you know, got kind of their own signature with it. So like something that I know, yeah, they read cards. So, you know, we work together for a good year to just kind of get them to, to really trust that that they're an oracle 
that they are they're able to do this to to connect in this way and allow like almost like a funnel to like come through them and to channel in this way psychically and and give a reading so i really it's been so much fun like i i'm getting more and more involved in in that world as well like i said it was something that i wanted to be mindful of and you know not and have boundaries with and cuz there are a lot of folks let's face it there's a lot of people that will uh, say things and, and, you know, kind of come off like they're these psychics and, and they're, they're doing some weird work, <laughs> some weird stuff. So, so it's important to have boundaries with it, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah so. absolutely. Yeah. So Ms. Felicia, I know that you do have something up and coming in 2024 in the works of a book. You want to tell us a little bit about that? A little booksy. Yeah. Um, let's hope. <laughs> let's hope I really, you know, it's been hard. Like writing, I have so many books, I should say that first. And like, I'm looking even at all these sticky notes, like right on the wall. And I'm going, I've got like a whole workbook series. I have kids books. Um, I've got it all organized. It's just hard to, you know, to to get all the time in to, or get the time through to write. And, and then of course I want to do a show. I shouldn't say of course, but I want to do a one person show off this, um, off this first book. So yeah, hold me in prayer or good vibes or good energy because it's, um, it's all in here or in here, in here, but I, I don't know. There's a little bit of a challenge that I'm experiencing with it. So I'll get there. I'll get there. Yeah. Thanks for asking about it. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> great, great stuff, Felicia. Thank you so yeah. much. And I also want to mention I love your tattoo, your butterfly. Thank you so much. Thank yes. you. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead and close <laughs> What was that? So one of many tattoos. <laughs> one of many, I know. I just got a limo on the side of my leg, a charger limo that says queen, like nice. tattooed just like two weeks ago. So yeah, got to have that. <laughs> if you don't mind, shout out your social. So our followers can follow the wonderful life of Felicia. Yes. Yeah, so I'm Rev underscore Felicia is one account. And then where you see all the alternative stuff is Felicia, the artist. Uh, underscore on Instagram. And I'm also on uh, Facebook as Rev Felicia Perizator too. So, yep, that's me. Thank you so much, both of you. It's lovely being with you and being together. Yeah. Love it. Now we're, we're trying to change this world just like you are one podcast at a time, showing women empowerment, you know, just doing what we can. So, now, thank you for what you're doing. It's so important. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> of course don't forget to like subscribe go ahead and hit that bell notification so you can be up to date every week with each episode that we have going on and of course in closing we do appreciate y'all so much for rocking with us for this whole entire year of dynasty please i'm your host pamela nicole and i've got the beautiful mia J. And this is Dynasty Queen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh my goodness. I'm so glad 